From the in-town Jewish Academy in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Rabbi Ari Solish, and this is Knowledge on the Deeper Side. In this podcast, we discuss the most inspiring and stimulating Jewish ideas, ideas that challenge the way you think and feel. To sponsor a class or episode, please visit intownjewishacademy.org slash sponsor. And now, on to the episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. Today is the last day of May. Can you believe it? Last May 31, 2022. It's a Tuesday. And uh, what a beautiful day to study Torah. I will say also it is Rosh Chodesh Sivan. It's the first day of the month of Sivan, which is the third month. Well, depends how you count. At least the third month from Nisan. Nisan Er Sivan. This is the month that we celebrate the anniversary of the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, which is going to happen, the anniversary of which will be Saturday night into Sunday, and then Sunday into Monday. So that's going on over the weekend. All right, but let's jump in to our Torah reading. I'm going to share my screen, and let's do this together. All right, Torah reading for Bamidbar. That is the opening Torah portion of the Book of Numbers, um, reading three. We did readings one and two yesterday, and the main theme was the census, hence the English name Numbers. The census of the Jewish people, God commissions Moses and Aaron and one tribal representative leader from each of the tribes to go around tribe by tribe, family by family, and to count the Jewish people. Now, specifically, it was to count the men of military age, 20 to 60, but generally speaking, it was about counting the Jewish people. And the message, as we said yesterday, was that we count. You and I count. We matter. And that is uh, the, the, the secret to self-esteem or God-esteem. All right, chapter, Numbers chapter 2, verse number 1. And here we talk about the encampments. We alluded to this yesterday in, as we studied Rashi, but we'll see this in sharper focus today. All right, God spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, not always does God speak to Moses and Aaron. A lot of times it's God speaking to Moses. Tell Aaron and tell the people or tell Aaron and his children. But here God speaks to Moses and Aaron. Okay, give me one second. Let in Oya. Okay. Hey, Olya. Welcome. So, um, God is speaking to Moses and Aaron at the beginning of reading number three, which is for today, for Tuesday, and he says the following. The children of Israel shall encamp each man by his division with the flagstaffs of their father's house. Okay, there's a lot of words to unpack there, right? So, the people shall encamp, each man, by his division with the flagstaffs of their father's house. Which means two things. Number one, that they should be divided into tribal sections and where where they're living. And number one. Number two, they should have flags. Who doesn't like, who doesn't love flags? Everyone loves a flag. Get a good flag, give me a logo. Good to go. All right, some dist. by the way, you may have seen, as I've seen, like imagery of the 12 tribes with different animals and different symbols. You know, in the old synagogues, remember when synagogues used to have um, stained glass? Remember stained glass was a thing back in the day? Used to have like in some synagogues, maybe the depiction of the Ten Commandments. I don't know if that's actually a thing, but whatever. 
because it could get a little dicey once you get uh, past number five. But anyway, you can have like symbols. You might have symbols of the of the twelve tribes, um, symbolized by their you know by their by their animal, by their I guess you would call it a spirit animal or the animal that they were blessed with um, in Moses' blessing or in, or in uh, uh, Jacob's blessing or other forms, other types of imagery. Anyway, they were ha- they were to have flags, and the flags certainly depicted somehow depicted their uh, their tribes. All right, let's jump back in. Um, now, some distance from the tent of meeting, they shall encamp. Don't get all up in up in God's face. Don't get all up in the in the tabernacle. You, no one's camping out, you know, right outside the uh, the altar over there. Like, take it easy. Some distance from the tent of meeting, they shall encamp. Spread it out. Spread it out. Those camping in front to the east. Okay, I mentioned this yesterday. East, south, west, and north. So the, picture the Mishkan as a rectangle sideways. Okay? And I think this is going to work for you. Would this be your east? Right? If, that, if this was north, is this your east or is that your west? Did I get that? Is that east or west? Or who knows? Okay. Huh? What do you guys think? I can't, I can't tell if it's reversed or not. Anyway, I'm going to just say, I'm going to call this east. To me, it's the west. But I'll, I'll call this the east for you. I'm just used to like sharing it for you, from your perspective. Okay, so those camping to the east of the Mishkan. All right, as my phone goes down. Were the legions under the division of the camp of Judah. So there were going to be three tribes. Three in each of the four directions. Three times four is twelve. So there are three tribes to the east. Headed up by... The camp of Judah, Machana Yehuda. Machana Yehuda. You may have heard that before, right? As a street in Jerusalem, Machana Yehuda. But Machana Yehuda, the camp of Judah, is the name of the eastern flank, the eastern division of the encampment of the Jewish people. The prince of the children of Judah, as we said yesterday, was Nachshon, the son of Aminadav, the one who walked into the sea before it split. His legion numbered 74,600. Remember, Judah numbered 74,600. We had that yesterday in the census. Camping next to him was the tribe of Issachar. The prince of the children of Issachar was Nathanael, or Nathanael, the son of Tzuar. His legion numbered 54,400. We had these same numbers yesterday when they were counted as far as the population. They're being the, the the numbers are mentioned again today vis-a-vis the encampment. How many people were stationed to the east of the tabernacle? South, west, north. So we have again a mention of the tribes or tribal leaders and the numbers of their tribes. I guess that's why it's the book of numbers, because every year you turn, you're getting numbers again. All right, then again in the east was the tribe of Zevulun or Zebulun. And the prince of the children of Zevulun was Eliah, the son of Chelon. His legion number 57,400. So three tribes in the east were Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. This total sum for the legions of Judah's camp, again, Judah's camp is the euphemism for the eastern camp of three tribes, was 100, again, we could do the math, but the Torah does it for us, 168,400. Judah plus Issachar plus Zebulun, is 186,400. These shall journey first. Okay, now we add another detail. When the Jewish people would fall into formation, I don't know if that's the right term, when they would start moving out, when they would, 
when, because the Mishkan was portable and they journeyed during the 40 years of journeying. So when they would journey, it would, the eastern camp would go first. So Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, those three tribes would travel first. All right. Let's continue. This is going to be the south. So we did, now south is obvious, unless I'm upside down, unless I'm like an astronaut, and this for sure is the south. Okay. Hey, Mark. Good to see you. Hey. Um, we're mapping out some, uh, some tabernacle encampments in the wilderness. So to the south... We had three tribes, and they were considered, uh, they were headed, uh, they were called the camp of Reuven, Reuven or Reuven. The legions under the division of the camp of Reuven, of Reuven were to the south. Remember, I, I, I know I said this, but I want to just clarify. There were 12 tribes in four directions, three on the east, three on the south, three in the west, three in the north. And although there were three tribes, that flank or that division that encampment was called by one of the three tribes' names. So it was called the camp of, of Judah, even though there was Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun there. It was called the camp of Reuven, or Reuben, even though there was Reuven, Shimon, and Gad. It was just one of the tribes that became the name, even though there were others there. So maybe they bought the naming rights. Who knows? The truest truest field or park or whatever it's called. Okay, the, the lesions on the division of the camp of Reuben were to the south. The prince of the children of Reuben, as we read yesterday, was Elitzor, the son of Shedeor. His lesion numbered 46,500. 46,500 for Reuben. Camping next to him was the tribe of Simeon, or Shimon. The prince of the, tribe, uh, the, prince of the children of Shimon was Shalum, Shalumiel, the son of Tsuri Shaddai. His legion numbered 59,300. By the way, that tells us that the tribal camp or the, the settlement camp was not named by the tribe but the most people. Because look, Ruvain had 46,500. Shimon had 59,300. Nearly 13,000 more people. And yet it was called by the name of the camp of Ruvain, and not by the camp of not by the name of camp of Shimon. Just as an aside, okay. Then to the south was also the tribe of God. The prince of the of the children of God was Eliasaf, the son of Reuel. His legion numbered forty five thousand six hundred and fifty. Hmm, interesting. Got a little fifty in there. Forty five thousand six hundred fifty. You know, do you, do we think they were rounding numbers? Right, like fifty one. Ah, it's fifty. No. According to the commentaries, it was they were, they were exactly round numbers. This was part of a, a larger miracle in the census. Okay, back inside. Just wanted to see everybody for a second. Back inside. The total sum for the lesions of Reuben's camp, Reuben's camp, that's the southern encampment, was, if you have the three tribes, Reuben, Shimon, and Gut added together, was 151,450. They shall be the second to set out. In other words, when they travel, when they journey, the eastern encampment goes first, then the southern encampment follows. All right, verse 17. Then the tent of meeting shall set out. Aha. Uh-huh. So you get your eastern encampment, your southern encampment, they fall, they fall out first, as it were. Then the Mishkan itself travels with the Levite camp, 
Remember, the Levites were the ones that were transporting the Mishkan, the tent of meeting. So the, with the Levite camp, in the center of the other camps, basically six tribes, followed by the Mishkan, and then another six tribes. That's the way it worked. So again, six tribes, the eastern and southern tribes, six, three and three is six, followed by the Mishkan, the tent of meeting itself, with the Levites coordinating that. And then next, as we'll see soon, were the, were the, the western and northern tribes, another six tribes. Just as they camp, so shall they travel. In other words, just like they camp with the Mishkan in the center, so too when they travel, the tabernacles in the center, each man in his place by their divisions. All right, well, let's talk about the western division. So we talked about the, the east, the south, the center, Mishkan with the Levites. Now let's talk about the west. Who is in the west? The lesions under the division of the camp of Ephraim were to the west. So it was called by the name the Camp of Ephraim. That was the name of that encampment. It encompassed or included three tribes, and yet it's called the Camp of Ephraim. The prince of the children of Ephraim was, as we saw yesterday, Elishama, the son of Amihud. His legion numbered 45,500. Next to him, the tribe of Manasseh, his brother. They were both the sons of, two sons of Joseph. So next up was the tribe of Manasseh. The prince of the children of Manasseh was Gamliel, the son of Pedotzer. His legion numbered 32,200. Then the tribe of Benjamin. The prince of the children of Benjamin was Abidan, the son of Gidoni. Okay, Benjamin was together with Ephraim and Manasseh. His legion numbered 30, sorry, 35,400. The total sum for the lesions under the division of the camp of Ephraim, Degel Machen Ephraim, which is a great, a great work, a great book, but here it means the camp of Ephraim, literally the camp, the encampment called by the name of Ephraim. All three tribes, Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin, was 108,100. They shall be the third to set out when marching forward. The lesions under the division of the camp of Dan, this is the northern encampment, so we had three, three, and three. We have nine so far, three left. Just to refresh our memory, the three to the east were Judah. Let me refresh my memory as well. We had Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. To the south, we had Ruvain, Shimon, and Gad. To the west, we have Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. Let's continue for the last three tribes in the north. The legions under the division of the camp of Dun, right, camp of Dun, that's what it was called, were to the north. The prince of the children of Dun was Achiezer, the son of Amishadai. His legion numbered 62,700. Camping next to him, next to Dun, was the tribe of Asher. The prince of the children of Asher was Pagiel, the son of Ochran. I like here in the translation, in the translation it writes Okran. Um, but it's really in the Hebrew, it's Achran. With a ch, Achran. His legion number 41,500. Oh, the reason why I like that is because it looks like to me like Orca. Right? If you kind of split up the letters, it's like an Orca. I just think of like sea life. But anyway, it's Achran. His legion number 41,500. Then, then heading up the final of the 12 tribes in this conversation is the tribe of Naphtali. 
The prince of the tribe of Naphtali was Achira, the son of Enon. His legion numbered 53,400. Those three tribes were in the north. Those three were Don, Asher, and Naphtali. The total sum for the legions on the the division of the camp of Don, which included three tribes, was 157,600. They shall be the last to set out. So when they were marching, I know I said this before, but I'm going to say it again. When they were, when they were moving in formation, the eastern three tribes went first, followed by the southern three tribes, followed by the Mishkan and the Levites, followed by the western three tribes, followed by the northern three tribes, which we just read about. These are the numbers of the Israelites, according to their father's houses. The total number of legions of the camps, of the camps as we said yesterday, was 603,550. So if you counted up all the, the west, the eastern flank, the southern, the western, the northern, count all, all them up, you get the same total as when you counted the people yesterday, which is 603,550. However, as we said yesterday, the Levites were not counted with the rest of the Israelites. The, the Levites, number one, are counted by God. Number two, we don't want to embroil them in the drama that would befall the rest of the Jewish people because Levites operate by one simple hashtag, no drama. However, the Levites were not counted with the rest of the Israelites as the Lord commanded commanded Moses. And to summarize all of the above, the Israelites did all that the Lord had commanded Moses. They encamped by their divisions. Number one, when when they encamped, when they set up tent, they, or is that how you say, set up tent? I don't know. When they encamped, they did so in their proper location. Three tribes to the east, three to the south, three to the west, three to the north, and the right tribes, right? Right families, right tribes. They encamped by their divisions. And number two, so did they journey each man with his family according to his father's house. When they, when they moved, when they marched, or marched, when they walked, when they moved from one location to the other, they followed the same protocol, east, south, Mishkan Levites, west, north. Everybody followed orders, and they followed their encampment. By the way, Jews traveling together always fraught with chaos. Always, fraught. I've, I've done it before. Done it before. Jew, I love Jews. I'm just saying, Jews traveling together, caravan, caravan of misfits. I don't know. I mean, love, lovable misfits. Not misfits in a negative way. Just like, but just it's it gets dramatic. That's just the way it is. It gets dramatic. It's like this guy is a little faster. This guy's slower. This one's that uh, hungry, tired doesn't want to go. There's a joke about this. I mean, it's like, you know, every, the major holidays, well, I guess there are two major holidays. Biblical holidays that have a long, longer extended period of time is Sukkot, or Passover, and Sukkot. Those are the two holidays that have like first days of holiday, last days, and then a middle span of days, like four or five days, called Chol HaMoed, which is basically, it's still a holiday, but you can you can do stuff. You can like you're not forbidden to do types of work. So it's still like Passover, but you can get around. So the big thing in the Jewish world, big thing, huge, is Chalhamoy trips. <laughs> trips. Because people are off from work and everyone's family is back. You got the kids are back from Yeshiva and whatever. Chalhamoy trips. Where are we gonna go for Chalhamoy? Like what's the what's the deal? That's where Orlando became that's why Orlando became a thing. Why are there like 150,000 Jews that migrate now nowadays from New York to Florida, 
for Passover, for example. Why? Because your Chal HaMoed trips are essentially baked in. Orlando, you got some New York, what are you going to do in Brooklyn? Chal HaMoed. How many times can you go to the Prospect Park Zoo? I mean, what are, you, what are you doing already? You go Bronx Zoo this year? Like, what are you, like what's, what's the big idea? What are we, like, I'm not, I'm not dissing Brooklyn. I'm just saying, like, what are you, act, like, what's, you know, you could see the tree that grows there. But, like, what else are you, like, there's not, Orlando, you can go to Disney. You can go to Epcot. I think that's the same thing. You can go, I mean, no, Disney itself has multiple at this point, you know, like, I don't know, half a dozen to a dozen different theme parks and water parks and whatnot. Again, you know, whatever people are going to do. There's Universal, there's Legoland, and there's like Fun Spot. There's like, you know, B tier, C tier places. You can go, I would check out the alligators and the crocodiles or whatever it is. You can go, um, if you want to go on a real adventure, you can go to the Everglades. You know the Everglades? That's cool. Everglades are always cool. And one of those hover boats, hover boats, you know, the ones with like the air fan in the back and that whole, you take a raft and one of those old fans. You're good to go. Now you can check out. Apparently now you're qualified to check out the, um, are they alligators or crocodiles? Which ones are in Florida or both? Alligators. Al- is it alligators. alligators? Is it alligators? Okay. Yeah. I, I, we were in, listen, this is full disclosure. I was that guy last year. Not this past Passover, which was uh, just like a few months ago. Um, or not even. I mean, seven, six and a half weeks ago. Uh, but oh, a year ago, we were in Orlando for, for Pesach. And I took my kids. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not a, a, a high roller. I don't know. Disney? What? Like who? But so I took my kids to mini golf. But I'm, it's alligator mini golf. It's not just mini golf. It's alligator mini golf. It's like mini golf. And what's the, what, what are the hazards? What are the water? Mini, this is mini golf. My, this is not like. Pitch and putt. This is not like a, a, this is like I don't mean the the alcohol place, but this is not this is not a, a an elaborate golf course. This is mini golf, teeming with alligators, literally teeming with alligators. It's like if your ball goes into the into the into the brink. What do you call it? Into the water. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. I mean, I, you can you can go after it. I would not advise it. I would not advise it. I don't. You know, we. I have pictures that feel like someone should go check. Someone should do some sort of well visits on those alligators. I don't know what type. We we bought food. we bought the food. You know, you can buy the food for them and like. I don't know if it was maybe we didn't if it was Passover maybe it was I, I don't know at some point we bought food for alligators at some point, and um, those things did not even look at the food like we threw them the food they were like, nope they were just noping that food I don't know. Maybe it's the bad food. Maybe they're just, maybe they're just too lethargic. Maybe there's nothing to do. Maybe there's not enough room. I don't know. Someone should do a well visit on those alligators. I'm not calling out any specific. Um, you just you know. have to be careful. You don't hand feed them. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. That would. Be. <laughs> hey, hey, little guy. Look, hey, look up, look what Papa's got for you. Yeah, bad idea. Bad idea. Do not hand feed the gators. Yeah, the gators. Obviously, gators. Right, alligators, gators. Um, Gator Golf. I'm again not calling out any establishment. I'm just saying Gator Golf is a Google Gator Golf. You will find Gator Golf in and around in and or around Orlando. So what's my? I have no idea where I am. Oh, I know where I am. So call on my trips. It's hard to get mobilized. It's really hard to get mobilized. It's like you got a bunch of people, maybe a few families together. Blah blah blah. It's like okay, it's okay. The holiday. Woo, we wrap the first days of the holiday. It's a Tuesday. Let's say it's a Tuesday morning. 
we're ready to go, we can get into the car and go somewhere. I don't know, by like one, there are, me, there are fantastic memes about this. Like by 1 p.m., it's like, what are we doing? It's just, it, 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 it takes time to get mobilized. What's amazing is that the Torah says that as the Jewish people travel, just to circle, bring this back into the Torah, because after all, this is the EPP. So to bring this back, what was amazing is that everybody camped where they were supposed to camp. Everyone journeyed in the formation that they were supposed to journey in and all worked out. It reminds me of the Kinos HaShluchim, the Shluchim Conference Convention in Brooklyn or in New York, Brooklyn, and the banquet. They have an annual gathering in New York, thousands of Chabad rabbis. They also have one for the Rabbitsons, but I've been, I've been at the rabbis' one at the, for, the, for the guys. And they have a banquet Sunday evening. Man, oh, Manischewitz, do the organizers try to make sure that everybody stays at their table. It is, it is like everyone's, you're, you're just roaming because it's like, oh, I haven't seen you in years. And you're just like finding friends and finding people. Meanwhile, the organizers, right, and the speakers, there's, there's a program. You can't have everybody milling around. How do you speak into a room where everybody's circulating? Please find your seats. Now, I don't know if they show that on the live stream, but like consistently throughout the evening, I'm taking you behind the curtains. I hope that's okay. I hope I don't get yanked, right? But like it's behind the scenes, right? Behind the scenes, there's just like a big effort to keep everybody in their location. I can imagine, you know, like, oh, I want to I want to hang out with the Issachar. Uh, you know, I want to I I set up my tent over there. All right. You got to stay with your you got to stay with your uh, with your tribal family and they did so. They followed the rules. They stayed where they were supposed to. I'm not I'm not saying there was no like um camping. I think well, I was camping, but there was no like, you know, I don't know. I don't know to what extent temporarily they uh you know, they uh they did a sleepover, but as far as where they were, everybody respected the divisions. Okay. Now, we're going to jump back inside and do Rashi's, because we have not done Rashi's yet on this reading. We did the whole reading, but not Rashi's. A lot of numbers. So, certainly Rashi is not going to get into the details of the numbers, but there's enough to, um, to talk about. Let's talk about the flags. I mentioned the flags earlier. Check this out. Every division shall have its own flag staff. How cool is that? Again, it's like their own logo flag with a colored flag hanging on it. How, again, super cool. The color of one being different from the color of, of any other. The color of each one, so now you're going to wonder what, what, what colors, how did they choose the colors? The color of each one was like the hue of its stone set in the Choshen worn by the Kohen Gadol. Right, remember the high priest, he had that breastplate with the stones, the 12 stones? So the, each tribe had a stone that had a unique color, their flag represented that color. And in this way, everyone could recognize his division. Look for the blue, right? Or whatever it was. Another explanation. Um, with the signs, the little translation of Osos of his father's house. Um, according to the sign their father Jacob gave them when they carried him out of Egypt, as it says, his sons did for him, just as he had commanded them, which was that Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun should bear him his body from the east, Reuben, Shimon, and God from the south, as it states in the Mishachum on the section. So what we have here is another understanding and that which is really beautiful, and that is when Jacob passed away, or sorry, before he passed away, he told his sons to carry his coffin. They each should participate in carrying his coffin, and they each should should help lift it. Three on the east, three on the south, three on the west, three on the north. What do what do you call that? Uh, Paul is that pallbearers? Is that is that the name for it in English? Pallbearers. Yeah. 
So each of the twelve would have at least a hand to lift the uh, to lift the uh, the coffin of Jacob, and so that division who was on the east, south, west, and north that remained true for the encampment in the wilderness of old. Okay, let's uh, let's jump back into Rashi. Some distance uh, they were to to be at a distance from the Mishkan itself, at a distance of a mill. A mill is an ancient Jewish measurement of space, of area, uh, um, distance. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, I, some places I've seen it be called a Persian mile, which is not a mile that we, that, that's a, a mile that we use, but another type of measurement. Um, at a distance of a mill, as is stated in Joshua, however, there shall be some distance between you, about 2,000 cubits. 2,000 cubits, FYI, is about, if a cubit is about 18 inches, no, um, yeah, if a cubit is 18 inches, a foot and a half, so 2,000 cubits would be about, um, 2 times 1.5 would be 3,000 feet. Not a lot. The reason for this distance which is the distance permitted to travel on a Sabbath day, was so that they would be able to come to the Mishkan on the Sabbath for Moses, Aaron, and his sons, and Levites were encamped close to it. Okay, so they had to be far, sorry, they had to be at a distance, some distance from the Mishkan, but not too far that they couldn't walk there on Shabbos. Okay. Um, those camping in front to the east, so Rashi says the front side, which is called Kedem, and which is this, it's the east. The west is called the rear side of the world. Interesting. Okay? So we have, it's interesting because, you know, in, in English, or our directions are east and west, but in Jewish terminology, it there is east and west, but it's also front and back. Interesting, front and back. So east is called the front, and west is called the back. All right. Um, and also, the, the Hebrew word for east is Kedem. The Kedem, which is east, Kedem is east, Kedem is also front, Kedem, like the grape juice. All right, let's, uh, let's jump back in to Rashi. The eastern camp, the Kedem camp, Judah's camp goes first. They shall journey first, Rashi says. When the cloud was seen departing, okay, so there was always a cloud over the Mishkan. When the cloud lifted, the Kohanim, the priests, would sound the trumpets, and the camp of Judah would set off first. Man, oh man, I just imagine like a, almost like an air raid siren, but in a, not in a negative way, in a good way, like this, this, the show, the cloud lifts, the chauffeur blasts. All right, boys and girls, let's go. Grab your stuff, grab your bag. And when they traveled, they journeyed forward, retaining the same positions in which they, in which they camped. The Levites and the wagons in the center, the division of the Judah to the east, that of Reuben to the south, that of Ephraim to the west, that of Don to the north. They basically fell out in, in that type of configuration and traveled as they encamped. Then the tent of meeting shall set out after these two divisions. Just as they camped, so shall they travel. As I explained, which we just read, they journeyed as they camped, each division marching on its designated side. So they didn't, you know, I, I indicated before, based on a simple reading of the text, of the Torah text, that they traveled in a linear fashion. It was the th- three tribes, three tribes, Mishkan Levites, three tribes, three tribes, 
But Rashi clarifies that it wasn't exactly linear. It was more in this type of encampment scenario where Judah goes first, then the camp of Judah, those two tribes of the east go first, then the southern tribes, but kind of alongside the Mishkan and the western and the, nor- and, and the northern tribes, they all kind of traveled in that configuration um, uh, spread out. In his place, Rashi says, literally means on his hand, but on his place. Why is on his place, why is it called on his hand? Why, why, is that the, why, why does the Torah use the word al-yado on his hand? So Rashi says, that which is by his hand, closest to him and within reach of his hand. Hand is something that's close to you. So when the Torah says that each one, um, as they camped, so they traveled, each man in his place, that means close to where they were encamped, they, they, they traveled in proximity. Uh, in proximity, meaning they traveled in the same type of configuration. Um, next to him, closest to him, right, Mena- close to Menashe was, sorry, close to Ephraim was Menashe. And this is interesting because I don't believe that this phrase, Va'alav, or next to him, is used by any other tribal uh, descriptions of, of configurations. It's used here. And it's specifically with, with regards to Ephraim and Menashe, who were the two brothers, uh, two sons of Joseph, and very close brothers. So, Kind of makes sense that when it comes to Ephraim and Manasseh, really one tribe, the tribe of, sorry, not Judah, Joseph, the tribe of Joseph divided into two. So it makes sense that it's Allah on him, next to him, closest to him. They were close. They were close brothers. And yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, I've got a note here. This is about um, uh, blowing, the, uh, blowing the trumpets. Yes. Uh, and it says to see 10-2. Uh, below and Rashi there, which is a Bahalo Shcha, have you pronounced it? Anyway, and what it says is that they should blast, this is what the Rashi says there, that they should blast all the trumpets before you as they do before a king. Nice. So Nice. It's got, a, it's, got a royal, it's got a royal ring to it. I like that. I like that. Okay, good. So what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is that our um, encampments and our journeys back in the day, they were dictated by divine, by a divine scheme, by a divine plan. The same thing is true today. Where we are, where we go, right, where we encamp and where we journey, it's really all dictated by divine orchestration. Yes, we make conscious decisions and we make decisions based on, you know, what makes sense, etc., where to where to be, where to go, where to live, where to move, etc. But at the end of the day, there are signs that point us in the right directions. And it is we who are always guided by a divine call, like the cloud of old that lifted and moved in the right direction and the people followed suit. We too, our footsteps are guided by the, by the uh, our footsteps are guided by God. And indeed, our space is, our spaces and our journeys are sacred. Along these lines, the Bashem Tev taught that wherever a person goes, there is something to accomplish there. So if God has guided you anywhere, even temporarily, there's some sort of spark of holiness, of godliness, that is waiting for you to uncover, waiting for you to activate, waiting for you to, to refine and to um, reconnect to its holy source. So 
Let's never think that, yeah, I just found myself here temporarily, or I'm just, I'm just traveling through. Every encampment, every journey is sacred and is holy. The Rebbe said this often in the context of the summer. You know, people have their homes that they live in, and they have, you know, even Jewishly, they have, you know, they have what, what they need Jewishly. But when they travel, when they go on vacation, maybe you don't take all your books because, right? look, you know, you have your chumash and your siddur and your tefillin and your talis. You have that at home. When you travel, maybe you don't, I don't mean you. I, I mean, like, maybe one doesn't always take it. So Rebbe, Rebbe would often say that, no, as we travel, sorry, as we camp, as the Torah said today, as they camped, so they travel. Right? The things that we need Jewishly in our homes, we also need to make sure that we have those set up when we travel. By the way, that's why Chabad comes in handy. Because wherever you go, you can always find a shul. Wherever you go, there's always Chabad. It's like, good. And Shalant? Yeah, Shalant. And a friendly rabbi? Yes. And a friendly rabbi? Absolutely. Same stuff. Same stuff. It's, uh, it's a good thing. Now, every place has its own flavor, certainly, understandably. It's not like a cookie-cutter situation. But the idea here is, again, the, the application of it's really, what we read today is really an ancient narrative about what happened back in the day. But the contemporary message is, as they traveled, sorry, as they encamped, so they traveled. Even when we travel, even when we vacation, or even if we're a road trip, whatever it is, let's make sure that we have what we need, spiritually, Jewishly. I mean, let alone the other stuff, but I mean, you know, from a spiritual Jewish place, let's make sure we have everything that we need. Okay, don't pack the kitchen sink. Take it easy. But make sure, even get the app. I don't know. Make sure you have what you need to, uh, to, uh, to, 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 it's the right word, to function correctly for those, uh, for those days. Um, there is a tradition, I'll share this, that whenever packing a suitcase, first thing you should pack is something holy. Whether it's a siddur, a chumish, Talis, tefillin, Shabbat candles, Hanukkah, whatever it is. Pack something Jewish. Pack something spiritual. The first thing you pack should be something with higher purpose. And then you can, then you can put in the other stuff. Sometimes I, what I'll do is I'll sometimes put in, I'll, I, I'll usually do my talis, like my talis bag. I'll put it in and then I'll take it out and then put in other stuff and then put it on top or whatever it is. But like, no, but it's, it, there, but there's, there's a message behind that, and that is like, I'm traveling. Okay, first priority is, like, let's make the main thing the main thing. What's the priority? Yeah, so we're going to the we're going to the beach, flip flops, sunscreen, and a bathing suit. Okay, fine. But the, what's the most important thing in life? Still not the beach, right? It's the spirituality. It's it's the higher purpose. So as we encamp, so shall we travel. It's a summer message. It could also be a winter message. Whatever. Whenever you travel, it's, uh, the message is the same, right? And that is, pack Jewishly. Pack Jewishly. That would be the message in two words. Pack Jewish. All right. Uh, great to see you both. Great to see you all and both. Um, looks like Olya had to jump out for, for a little bit. Um, but great to study together. And um, yeah, hope, uh, hope you found today's reading meaningful. We'll pick it up tomorrow on Wednesday. Yeah, should be same, same bad time, same bad channel. So looking forward to seeing you then tonight, JLI um, Zoom edition. For those joining by Zoom, tonight at 8 p.m. or in person Thursday at noon.
All right. Have a wonderful day. You too. Great to see you, Ashikara. Great to see you. All right. Take care. See you guys. Bye. Record. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find us online at IntownJewishAcademy.org and on YouTube at IntownJewishAcademy. New episodes of the podcast come out a few times a week. If you don't want to miss a single episode, then hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to leave a rating or review. It means a lot to me and it helps other people find the podcast. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.